Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. That we bring in Brian Tripp. Tripper, how are you? I have thawed out. Great to be with you today. Yes, well, let's start with pucks. All uh, right. Three and one on that road trip, splitting in Minnesota and beating St. Thomas twice. How much better did they get on that trip? Yeah, I thought they made huge strides. And when I say thaw out, I probably could be referring to broadcasting at St. Thomas's rink as well, where it probably was, oh, 20, 25 degrees in there and needed the heavy parka during the game. But I thought they just made huge strides. When you looked at the first four Big Ten games, and I thought this was the most difficult part of the schedule, too, opening on the road against Ohio State, coming home and playing a really talented Michigan team, then going back the road on the wide ice at Minnesota. But the areas that they struggled in the first four Big Ten games with mental toughness, resolve, and how do you handle adversity, I thought they checked all the boxes against Minnesota. They were able to respond a couple of times in that first game, end up going into the third period and outscoring them in the third for the win, actually pitching a shutout in the third for the win too, which is something they had trouble doing early in the year. And then the second game, I know the result didn't go their way. Again, you go into the third period tied, but I thought they played even better on Saturday against Minnesota. So to go and play back-to-back consistent games and playing to your identity, I thought they checked all the boxes in both those games. It was just a huge, huge step. And then something Guy and I talked about in the pregame going into St. Thomas, just a completely different situation. You go from a 10,000-seat arena to a 1,000-seat building that they share with a high school team and a team that you're expected to go in and beat. They're a first-year Division One program that has a very, very bright future because of where they're located. Yeah. But again, that takes a different type of mental toughness. And I thought they came out and found a way, and in those games, trailed in the first game, were tied in the second period early in the second game, took some penalties, but got better as the game went on. So to go 3-1 and one on the road, and to do it in the fashion that they did, not only with the mental toughness aspect, I thought they got contributions from all four lines, all three defensive pairings, and probably got some of the most consistent goaltending of the year. I think Guy has to be really encouraged with the way they went into Thanksgiving. Is St. Thomas going to build their own arena? They're going to soon. It hasn't been announced yet. I think yeah. it's the worst-kept secret in college hockey. They're going to. It's just a matter of location for them because their campus is very landlocked where it's located. Right. Um, but I think something that they're going to do for all their sports, whether it's football, basketball, they have the ability, and fortunately the leagues that they're with recognize that the school does have uh, the financial means to support a Division One athletic program. It's either going to be do they renovate the current facilities or build their own, but for hockey they'll have to build their own. And I think once they have that, they'll be competing year in and year out uh, among the best teams in the CCHA. All right. And, uh, by the way, also they are Division One in basketball too. So Yep. Uh, they've got Michigan State uh, Friday, Saturday. At Pagula, Teddy Bear Toss game is going to be on Saturday mm-hmm. before they go to Wisconsin for two to close this half of the semester. So tell us a little bit about the matchup with Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State's been playing well, 3-3 three and three in conference. Drew DeRitter has been excellent in goal, and I think something that Dan and Cole's teams have done since he's taken over at Michigan State as they play a very heavy physical brand of hockey. They're really good up the middle with two-way centermen, win a lot of face-offs, and they're a pretty good defensive team and lean a lot on their goaltending. They do not score a ton. They're more opportunistic 
but they do make it difficult to create scoring chances against. And they play, even though their record has not been great the last few years, they do play a very tough physical brand of hockey, and they make you earn it. So going from the wide ice at Minnesota that I thought benefited Penn State because you had some younger guys that had a little bit more room to be creative – the space will be at a premium against Michigan State, against a really good goaltender again. Every goalie in this league is really good. So they're going to have to earn it at home. Dennis Sassano on the back end is an excellent, if not the best defenseman in the league. He is one of the best defensemen in the league. Um, right up there, probably in a class just below Owen Power. Uh, he's excellent on the back end. So this is an experienced team. Mitchell Lewandowski's back for about his 20th year of college hockey as a forward. So they have some experience. They'll be tough to go against, and Penn State will have to earn every inch against them. All right, so now on Saturday, I just want to get to the senior when it's snowing like that. <laughs> how much? How many snowballs pelted that sideline for Penn State on Saturday? Yeah, they were coming in pretty frequently. It started in the first quarter, just some students throwing them down onto the field, not at anyone in particular, right. throwing them into the end zone. But as it went on and it started to snow harder and harder, yes, there were snowballs flying. You know, they were frequent, but they weren't – it wasn't like an astronomical amount. So, right. yes, they were recognizable but it wasn't something that I felt where anyone was in particular danger. It's just something that should never happen. Right. No, I'm just saying it's just part of the scene yep. when you're – I mean, yep. it's something people have to assume is going to happen in, in, when something like that happens. Yep, no doubt. All right, what was the thought process on, on the sideline of another close game? Yeah, I felt like they handled it really well falling behind early. I thought that they responded well. There was never any sense of panic. But you could tell at the end when, again – just being on the wrong side of some close plays. It seems like every close game this year that when it came down to it, was Penn State going to be able to come up with that winning play? Unfortunately, they weren't able to come up with that winning play. I didn't really sense frustration, uh, particularly when you're looking at Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson wanting the ball to have one more chance to go down the field, and they were moving the ball uh, through the air, even with limited time left. The fumbles at the end, that, that really took the the wind out of the sails on that sideline. But I felt like the guys were really engaged. The weather, as much as I thought it created a great scene, um, obviously footing was an issue early in the game. I I really felt like the guys weren't bothered by the weather. Uh, To me, it was like a kid in the candy store. You remember going out and playing in the backyard in the snow. I felt like a lot of players had that same same feeling. Snow games are a rare opportunity. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but they stayed with it down there on the sideline. They were completely engaged, but then the fumbles at the end it just felt like, oh, here we go again, unable to make that big winning play down the stretch. Yeah, see, that, that to me, it's the tur- two turnovers. Mm-hmm. That, to me, that was the part that, that, you know, that created the difference in the game. Yep, I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that, and I thought if you take those turnovers out of it, you felt like if Clifford and, and Dotson, Washington, I know it was snowing, they were able to move the ball through the air despite the conditions. The snow didn't seem to bother them. Um, if they could have one more shot, it felt like just because they had been on the wrong end of some of those close games this year, yeah. that it just with the confidence of the group that they were finally going to be able to pull that one through, but because they didn't get a chance, I think that's what hurt them the most in the end, left them uh, a little bit distraught there on the sideline. Uh I doubt they were surprised by the personnel they saw because, I mean, I was sitting up in the mm-hmm. booth and I think everybody I expected to play for Michigan State played, and I that's what we expected. 
Yeah, I don't think they were surprised by that at all. And I thought they did. Um, you just look at the situations. Reed was really good for Michigan State that entire game. The situations where the defense had risen to the occasion in the red zone and gotten the big stop all year long. I thought if you talk about the turnovers, the other right. aspects were that fourth and 15 yeah, where they throw the 25-yard touchdown pass. And Johnny Dixon was in pretty good positioning there. Reed made a great play. Yeah. And the other one, you had that long sequence going down in the other end zone. And on a third and goal from the 13, you get the contact and the penalty against Joey Porter Jr. and they punch it in. So those are two situations throughout the year of where Penn State has come up with the stops on defense, and they weren't able to in that game. So I think you couple that with the turnovers, and that ultimately uh, tells a lot of the story of why the football game ended like it did. And Both teams missed opportunities to add a few more points on special teams, um, but because of the way the footing was on the field, you know, nothing's like, nothing is a given, and nothing is automatic in those conditions. Yeah, you really couldn't. They, they, neither kicker, you know, there are four kickers used in the game. Mm-hmm. None of them could plant their foot. You could just tell. Yeah. Yeah, none of them could plant their foot. And the first thing you want as a kicker is to go out there and have confidence. And the second you don't go out there and have confidence, uh, I think all bets are off anytime, especially in those conditions. And if you start worrying more about planting instead of just the process of the snap, getting the ball, and watching it sail through the uprights, if you have those other elements start to warp into your mind, uh, that makes it a much more difficult process. And, and Stout typically – is very active kicking on the sidelines. I just think because of the condition, there wasn't really a lot of room to kick. He didn't seem to kick as much warming up as he normally does. I don't know if that's me reading into it wrong or anything, but uh, it, it just didn't seem like you know, it was the usual process of getting ready for the kick uh, for him. And then Michigan State, Coughlin, he had been hurt too. Um, right. I think it's no surprise that, that he struggled as well. Right. My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate it very much. No, thank you for having me on. Have a great week, and uh, hopefully see you on Wednesday at the Jordan Center. Sounds good, Brian. Thanks. All right. See you, Steve.